Welcome to the Back Row Fantasy Show with your hosts, Jeremy Barker, Aaron Arms, and Chad Middle. All right, guys, thanks for joining the show. This is Bark. I do not have Arms or Niddle with me tonight. Uh, you'll get the top 10 wide receivers, uh, our predictions for the 2018 season in the coming next few days. But uh, tonight we're going to add to what was a very successful uh, podcast to do, which was the debate episode from a few episodes ago. And I enjoyed it so much that I thought, you know what? I know two guys that would probably make this a lot of, a lot of fun, just like the first two. We'll do a debate episode part two. And uh, that basically leads me to uh, having Frank Bonencontry and uh, Brandon Nickel, or as you know him, DHH Scout, and Brandon as the FFL Wire. Fellas, what's up? What's happening? Living the dream like Brandon, apparently. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we before we hit the record button, we're like, yeah, life's tough. Me and Frank are like, yeah, life can be kind of a, you know, pain. There's not enough time. Brandon's like, I love waking up every morning. Arizona's amazing. <laughs> Screw you, Brandon. Hey, sorry, guys. I got disconnected. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you didn't hear any of that, actually. Uh, Are you guys just talking talking crap about me? A little bit, a little bit. We were t- <laughs> yeah, he was a little bit. I was a little angry that you're so happy in Arizona with all those days of sunshine, and you're talking about how much you love to wake up in the morning. And I wake uh, up, and you know, life is good, but it's not that that damn good. Well, I'm happy to be here with you guys. I'm excited to to debate some fantasy and and get some. Get some good takes rolling. That's right. And as you guys know, if you've listened to the show before, you should have already heard these guys. Uh, Brandon writes for the Dynasty Happy Hour and more now. Haven't you added? Or have you added? Yeah, no. Right now, uh, Dynasty Happy Hour is where you can find all my content. And then Frank. Frank's been doing a little bit of everything. But Frank, tell him exactly what you're into since last time you were on the show. Yeah, I mean, I write on my own at um the fantasy football wire.com i also write with ffd 260 and then i do uh, a raven specific stuff with purple rain show at purple rain show um i'm from baltimore i live in wisconsin so packers and ravens are kind of my two two teams um that i'm the closest to um so i do a little specific content just for both of them and then some stuff on my own as well. So I'm pretty much everything. I really, really like draft stuff. I mean, redraft, auction draft, commissioner kind of stuff. So it's it's like a little bit of everything. I'm just a junkie on fantasy stuff. I've heard of the Purple Rain show, actually. And at first I thought it was something to do with Prince, which, you know, <laughs> you, you guys from, you know, what's it, what, Lake Minnetonka? Lake Somebody help me out here. Lake Minnetonka. Lake Minnetonka. Yeah, I, I figured you guys would be familiar with Little Prince, Little Purple Rain that way, not the R E I G N, but the the R A I N. Yeah, Purple Rain show. It's it's all Ravens content exclusive. They do a lot of fantasy stuff too. It's pretty cool. We're trying to change the topic from Prince, Frank. Who's ready? Yeah, we're ready. All right, I'm ready. Let's so, do it. So here we go. We got some debate topics. Um, I'm not going to go full timer. I'm, I'm going to go timer in my head because I, cause we, we intentionally uh, decided to go with a few less topics. That way we could have a little more heated of a debate. Um, not to be rude, but if it gets lengthy, I'll just jump in and be like, you know, time's about up instead of doing the full 60 seconds. That way we can not repeat ourselves from topic to topic. But uh, first... Uh, Frank or Brandon, which one of you want to start off on the first topic, which is the first pick in your upcoming fantasy draft should be blank. Go ahead, Frank. I'm going with Todd Gurley should be your top pick in your upcoming draft this year. Um, redraft dynasty, you name it. They just locked him up today to a nice big contract. So he's not going anywhere. Um, overall, though, I think his career arc is really interesting as far as he comes out of Georgia, 
everybody's just salivating that this guy is going to be a stud. He gets to the Jeff Fisher coached Rams, has a nice year. The next year we're all kind of waiting for the blow up and then it's a dud. He falls in damn near every draft. I know in mine that next or that second year or whatever, everybody was like, I am not drafting this guy early. They'll push him off. He was a late round. I mean, it, it was like the world gave up on him. And I said, if Jeff Fisher is gone, they upgraded their offensive line. I'm taking this guy early. So I took him early last year and rode his ass all the way through the playoffs. I mean, you, everybody knows what he did. But now they've got <clears throat> McVay there. Their O-line's going to return intact. He was fourth overall in target share in the NFL. That's insane for a back. Um the Rams overall, we know what they did in this offseason, too, as far as free agents. Brandon Cooks, the defense, Sue. Um, defensively, what I like about them and what makes them a number one pick for me is if that defense is going to be the dream team that we're thinking it is, there's a lot of opportunity to get that ball back to the offense. So I think that alone gives him more opportunity for plays and percentage of receptions, rushes, you name it. It's just a real balanced offense compared to Le'Veon Bell's situation, David Johnson's situation, everybody else's. I feel like the Rams are the most balanced team as far as offense goes, so I like him there. Last year, he was on pace for 400-plus fantasy points, and he would have cracked it, but once they locked the playoffs up, they cut him, rest him, let him sit, and he ends with 387. Like, that's insane. That is insane. Uh, David Johnson was the last guy to go in that category, I think, since, like, 2006. So, Hopefully. As far as his running style. Huh? Lost you a little bit there, but I am hoping, uh, really hoping Brandon has a good, debatable replacement for Gurley. <laughs> Brandon? Brandon? Tear Frank up. All right, I'll deliver the goods here. I, I read the question a little differently as not who would I take one-on-one, but who's the best pick in the first round. And my choice here is going to be Saquon Barkley, and, and I'll, I'll explain why. When when you're thinking about your f- best player on your team, which is going to be your first-round pick, you need it to be a player who's not going to dep- depreciate, hopefully at all, or at least maintain their value, and hopefully appreciate a little bit over the next year and the next couple of years. When you look at Saquon Barkley, who's 21 years old, has one of the highest investments in a running back you know, we, we've seen in the modern era, he's going to be a guy who is given every chance in the world to succeed. Obviously, he's a talent. Do I think he's going to score the most points out of, out of all these guys that you could take between Gurley and Hopkins and Odell. No, I don't, especially in, in 2018. But I do know that if if every player in the first round tore their ACL this season, which is worst-case scenario, if every single one of those guys tore their ACL, Saquon Barkley is still going to have the most value, I think, out of all those because of how young he is and because of you know the the almost the zero miles that are on his body and just everything that's involved with that. So what I mean by that is, for example, Antonio Brown, you know, is a stud first round pick, but 12 months from now, he will be worth less than he is today. And then 12 months later from that, he's going to be worse than he is then. And and if you can, you know, squeeze a couple championships out of a guy like Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell uh, or David Johnson, that's great. But, but if you don't, or if they get hurt, you're significantly losing value just right off the gate. It's kind of like I look at a first-round draft pick, like where would you stick your money as an investment? Would you buy a fancy car? Do you want that to be the most expensive asset? Do you own? No, you want it to be a house because it's going to only go up in value and, and help you as you go along with your dynasty. And I think that's Saquon Barkley. There's almost nothing that could happen uh, to him short of uh, – you know, we even saw with Todd Gurley. That was a great example. Had one of the worst years ever from a guy who we were expecting big things from in his second year. And and look where he is, still at 101 today, because he had that high draft pedigree and he's a stud player. So I'm going Saquon Barkley, uh, as, as I think is the best, safest pick in the first round, because you could sell him for anything that you want. And I think he's going to not only retain that value, but he's going to be 101, 102 every year for the next couple of years. Man, I've got to disagree, but it's not, it's not, 
an extremely hard disagreement. I mean, I don't think either one of those are a wrong answer by any means. Um, just my personal preference. I want to win now. And Gurley's 23, Barkley's 21. I'm not too worried about a two-year age gap. And I, I trust the young and upcoming Rams offense with Goff and Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks as opposed to Eli Manning, who's on his way out, Odo Beckham, who I honestly don't expect to be a giant long-term. Um, there's questions surrounding Laletta and Davis Webb. I like them both, uh, but neither one of them are, are regarded as like a can't-miss successor to Eli Manning. I believe in Saquon's talent um, more than I do Gurley's, to be honest. But set up for now in the future, I have to go Gurley, but I would not fault anybody for going Saquon, honestly. But I'm going to definitely side with Bond and Country on that one. But, man, it's, it's not by much. I mean, Barkley is a huge asset. Well, I don't. You said if Barkley tore his ACL or something, I'm. I don't think he's got ACLs, man. He's like a. He's like a machine. His legs are insane. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty you know sure I mean? his body is <laughs> made up of the liquid metal. It's like two tree trunks from, with cleats. <laughs> yeah, he's like liquid metal. He's like T2, Terminator 2. Like you know, if somebody, you know, punched a hole through him, it'd just grow back, and he'd keep on sequoning. But definitely a good way to open it up because. Pick one is opening up the draft. So uh, the next topic from here is after Gronk, uh, Travis Kelsey and Ertz have been selected in your draft, which Gronk is debatable to me. Now, uh, who is the next best available tight end after those three? Bon and Country, bring the heat. My choice, and boy, I'll tell you, that tight end class just stinks sometimes as far as it you're right the three picks once they're off the board you sit there and you go geez you're looking at the best of the bunch and it's just like eh. i'm going jimmy graham i am here in Packerland. i'm like an hour from the stadium literally um not to, interrupt you. not to interrupt you on purpose but i guess it is on purpose i just want to let the <laughs> audience know now i will be siding with brandon on this one no matter who he takes go ahead <laughs> Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Well, let me try to change your mind here. Listen, Jimmy Graham, as soon as you say Jimmy Graham, the first thing people say is, well, if he stays healthy. Well, if you go back and you look at his games and games started, his, his Saints in 2010, what did he, he started five. Okay, he's got some injuries. 11, 16 of 11, 2012, 15 of nine. 13, 16 to 12, 16 to 13, 11, 11, 16. He get, he's gotten healthier. He's not missing a ton of games. He's a huge target. He's not going to stretch defenses anymore like he used to or anything, but they don't need him in that role. The Packers are bringing him in as a hired gun in the red zone. Jordy Nelson's gone, and Jordy Nelson sucked up 25% of those touchdowns over seven seasons with Aaron Rodgers. 38 of those 63 touchdowns were red zone looks. That's strictly where he's going. He's not going anywhere else. So as far as having the best quarterback in the league throwing him the ball, his size, he's a vet. He's savvy. He doesn't have to pile up the yardage. He's just got to catch the touchdowns. He had 10 from Russell Wilson last year, and Russell Wilson's awesome. I love him. But that guy was running for his life behind a cr awful Awful offensive line. Aaron Rodgers can scramble and get open. He can hold the ball. He can make stuff happen with his feet. He can buy time. And that's all Graham needs to get open in the end zone. I personally think he's going to have a, a huge year. And I like, I'm going to go see him hopefully this Friday at camp. But the Packers haven't had a tight end like that since Jermichael Finley. They're, they've been starving for a, for a tight end like that. They're going to game plan him more this year with a focus on him at that tight end spot. They also have Mercedes Lewis, which will uh, help the offensive line with blocking if they want to run two tight end sets or split them out in like a five-wide set. But I think he's going to get all of Rodgers' looks in the end zone, a, a good chunk of them, and turn into one of his favorite targets for sure. Brandon, give, give, me, some, give me something <laughs> a little more exciting. 
I, I think this is the easiest choice. Uh, I think the fourth tight end I would choose is Evan Ingram. I would take Evan Ingram because not only did he just have the best rookie season for a tight end of all time, breaking Gronk's uh, fantasy points season, this guy is going to be an absolute stud for a very, very long time. Usually it takes four or five years for tight ends to break out in this league. Like O.J. Howard, I think, will be eventually that stud, but it's going to take some time. Evan Ingram is right out of the gate. Uh, he's got the speed of David Johnson, but he's playing tight end. And he moved. He's moved out into the slot, playing wide receiver mostly, which is what you want out of a tight end. Is a guy who isn't blocking. Evan Ingram is going this year to. Everyone's saying he's going to see less targets, and therefore he's going to have a worse season. But I would make the argument that he was the number one target on the team last year, and that was a bad thing because when you have Odell Beckham and Saquon Barkley, defenses aren't staying up at night worrying about Evan Ingram. So he's going to have much easier defense on him. And not only that, when you have better players on your team, you're going to have more first downs. You're going to have more red zone opportunities. You're going to have better quality targets. A lot of the targets he got last year were trash, just Eli throwing it up to the only person on the team who was worth a darn. So... I think Evan Ingram's not only going to get better each and every year, he's going to be fantasy gold for years to come in Dynasty. I uh, First off, I, I do like Jimmy Graham as a sneaky pick to have a really big season. Um, he, he did not have a bad season last year. It was just it was consistency was the big thing. There was a lot of duds in there. There was a couple two-point games, there was a one-point game, there was a a one-and-a-half-point game, there was a four-point game. The consistency is my biggest issue with Jimmy Graham. I do agree he's in a better spot, and I think he's a sneaky play, but we're talking the number four tight end overall. Who are you taking it for? And uh, to kind of switch gears and go with Brandon, who was, you know, pounding the table for Saquon at one because of the value and what he's worth and what he could be and what he can do and He's the house, not the car. Uh, Evan Ingram is the house and not the 1995 Buick LeSabre that Jimmy Graham is. So, <laughs> 95 LeSabre? Whoa! 1995 <laughs> Buick LeSabre. Uh, it's no, at least a LeSabre custom, though, right? Uh, it, it's got some 20-inch rims on it. It's, okay, you know, I'll say it's, it's got at least leather and heated seats. It does have leather and heated seats, but it also has a cassette player. And Evan Ingram has full access to Android Auto and whatever Apple's version of that is. So, uh, okay, Evan, <laughs> Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram is I would. That's exactly who I would pick it for. And again, I love Graham as a sneaky play. I, I think whoever drafts him late, whoever you know passed on him three times over, and then you land him in the middle, smack dab in the middle of a draft, like that's fantastic. But it, you know the fourth tight end shouldn't last till the middle of the draft. So Evan Ingram is my guy. Uh, I do worry about who's going to be throwing him the ball, but typically if Eli was to get hurt and move on, uh, one of those young quarterbacks for the Giants is probably going to heavily target uh, Evan Ingram out of comfort. So I I love Ingram. I I don't see him uh, being anything but a top five tight end year in, year out, but wouldn't surprise me if Graham was a top five tight end this season, but to draft him over those other guys when he's nearing the end is just risky as heck to me. So, man. Yeah, the other Twitter thing is a lot of people are out there posting, uh, Ingram's going to, he's not going to do anything. He's not going to catch anything. Odell's back. I just, I don't know why they say that. I can't see, I cannot see that in any degree that he doesn't get any targets or looks just because Odell's back. I mean, they got Shermer coming over from Minnesota he's going to throw everybody the damn ball. It's, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to be a locked in one target guy. It's, he's definitely going to get a ton of looks, I think. Yeah. I I mean, if anything, Beckham helps Ingram. Yeah. There's enough, there's going to be enough passes to go around. Honestly, Um, the giants are going to be a pretty good offense. People are going to be afraid of Saquon. People are already afraid of Odell. I mean, Sterling Shepard and Ingram are going to get theirs. I'm not even worried about that. So, but yeah, uh, yeah. Jimmy Graham, he's probably going to get some too. But Green Bay tight end history, I, I know the situation's better, but I have my reservations there. Let's move on to uh, who is a player that most people like, 
but you do not. Frank, who is that guy for you? Can't say Jimmy Graham. Well, I was originally going with Dalvin Cook because I know uh, Brandon had said he was not a fan of Dalvin Cook. Was that correct, was, or am I wrong there? Absolutely. Was that, okay, that's right. I couldn't remember for sure, but yeah, mine was my arguments for Dalvin Cook. I mean, the guy averaged four point eight yards a carry before he was lost for in the season with injury. He was a stud out of Florida State. He's in the NFC North, where run blocking, run defense. Kind of as an afterthought, I think it's going to be a shootout division this year. Um, but he did get 67% of the carries when he did play those few games in Minnesota. There was no running back by committee, even with McKinnon and Latavius Murray. Um, he's not—he's no Todd Gurley, but he's catching the ball out of the backfield. He's running between the tackles. Minnesota has got one of the best offensive lines in the NFC, period. Um, the other kind of sneaky thing that nobody talks about too much is the head athletic, athletic trainer, Eric Sugarman, with the Vikings, is also the same guy that rehabbed Adrian Peterson off his ACL, and he came back for that monster year. So whatever they're doing for rehab, I think this guy knows knows what how to get it done with him. I would see him coming back just as good as he was when he was, went out. Um, Kirk Cousins is kind of the wild card. I think they're going to lean on a run game heavy until Cousins can get fully comfortable in that offense, and it's a new it's going to be a new offense from top to bottom. So, I think they're going to rely on that run game to get Cousins comfortable. It's going to give Cook plenty of opportunity. The offensive line, like I said, is solid. Um, they can get him in a rhythm. They can dominate with the run game. They can slow the games down. They can keep him in and third down if they want. They can pass to him in the flat. He's just an all around good back this year that uh that even, sounds like a glowing you know. endorsement but this is the player most people like and you don't no i yeah, said so, i do like him and brandon didn't oh okay okay and right? then, yeah and, okay. and then next and then next frank will give a player he doesn't like and I'll, uh, i got and I'll you i got you okay so you I'll, threw so me I'll off te- i'll tear apart i'll tear apart dalvin cook a bit here oh and music it's, it's, not that, <laughs> it's not that Dalvin <laughs> Cook isn't a good player. I think he's going to be fine on a per-game basis. The problem is where he's being taken. People are drafting Dalvin Cook as if he's a no-brainer bell cow RB1 for your team. People are drafting him over Leonard Fournette. People are drafting him over a lot of very solid players in the NFL that uh, are more dependable and I just think flat-out better. So we all remember, obviously, Dalvin Cook is had one of the worst combines ever you know, being a non-athlete, but he came out and he showed really well in those games that he played. And, and like I said, I think per game, he'll be fine. But here's the problem. He's 210 pounds trying to be a bell cow and everyone wants him to be a bell cow, right? Get 250 touches, run the ball a ton, score a lot of touchdowns, catch the ball. The problem is when you're 210 pounds and Dalvin Cook already has four surgeries to his name. He has, I think, three shoulder surgeries and then obviously the ACL last year. ACLs can happen to everybody, but the shoulder ones is more what will concern me. Can Dalvin Cook at 210 consistently run into a defensive line and linebackers 20, 25 times a game? I don't think he can do it. I think he'll be fine for as long as he holds up, but I just think he's going to be one of those players that we always talk about, you know, what could he have been? Right, because due to his health and lack of athleticism, you know, like an Alvin Kamara has, you know, he doesn't have that quite same electricity to avoid tackles. So Cook is a fine player. He's just heavily, heavily overvalued in Dynasty. Um, you know, if he was a mid-round pick, I'd be fine with that. But he's like a second-round pick for a lot of people, and 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 maybe at worst a third-round pick. The Vikings in general are so overrated. Stephon Diggs is is the most expensive wide receiver too that there is. Um, you know, Kyle Rudolph is, is a lot of people's tight end four or five. You got Adam Thielen is a lot of people's, um, you know, wide receiver one or two on their team. So that entire team is just really inflated right now. And, and they're going to be a good team, but it kind of seemed like they had the perfect season last year. You know, Case Keenum had almost a perfect quarterback rating and, and Kirk Cousins is good, but it's, it's going to be tough for him to match that again. They lost their offensive coordinator. Pat Shermer, he went over to the Giants. Uh, sadly, their offensive line coach just passed away about a week ago. So, so that's a team 
with extreme turnover who just kind of had a best case scenario season last year. Um, I'm, I'm reserved. Like I said, I think Dalvin Cook's fine. He's a fine player. I don't think he's a bust by any means, but there's some massive question marks that makes me wonder what people are thinking when they invest what they do in Dalvin Cook. I, uh, Frank, I, I've always liked you, and I'm glad you're on the show, but uh, I got to go with Brandon again. Uh, I'm not, no problem, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a Dalvin Cook guy. Like I, I, My opinions on him line up pretty much perfectly with what you just said, Brandon. Like, mid-round, I'm okay with it. Uh, you know, if, if we're taking Dalvin Cook as the uh, 10th, 11th, 12th running back off the board, maybe as high as 9, I'm okay with it. Uh, people taking him as the 5th, 6th, 7th running back off the board, it's too high. Uh, the body of work is too small. Uh, the injury history is already too deep because you've only got one year, one mostly missed year. It, it's hard to put a lot of stock and a lot of faith in a guy like that not saying he's not going to turn around and be just fine, but I'm also with you. Like Minnesota is going to take a little time to gel. Kirk Cousins is a completely different quarterback than Case Keenum. Uh, I do believe in Thielen and Diggs. I like them. I do believe they're a little overvalued as far as where they're going, but I do like them. Uh, I, I can't. I can't say that I don't believe they'll both be top 15 receivers this year because I do. Uh, but they are being drafted as if they'll both be top 10. Uh, so, yeah, I got, got to go with Brandon there. And uh, if I had to, to make a case, my own case, no debate needed, I am I am not as high on Mike Evans as most. And I and I won't break that down. Uh, but that, that would be my choice there. Mike Evans, to me, at where he goes, at how high he's valued, like he has put up some great stats across the years he's been in the league. But consistencies again just inconsistent and i'm all about efficiency i would much rather have a guy that gives me 10 points a game for sure and only maybe one of those big breakout games uh a year than somebody that gives me three or four 25 point games and then a bunch of sevens to twelves i I don't know mike evans just worries me he would have been my guy there but let's uh frank frank who's a who's a player that you're lower on than that most people love on that one, I thought we had said Nick Chubb was a guy that you love more than most that I, and was one that I did not. Sure. Go, go was, for it. Was that right? I'm, I'm just going back from our previous um, conversations. But, yeah, Nick Chubb for running back on the Cleveland Browns. I like the guy. Don't get me wrong. He's, I think he's going to be, be a good back. But he gets into the Cleveland Browns. He's got Duke Johnson – He's got Carlos Hyde, the Browns' offensive line with minus a Joe Thomas. I don't, I don't, I can't see where he's gonna, where his role is gonna be. Are, are they gonna play him as a third down back? Is it gonna be a committee with the other two? Where, where does he fill fill in at the uh, the division as far as running the ball? Steelers, Ravens. I mean, Bengals. They got a solid D line. I can't see much there within the division. So if you take him out of division, where is he going to be? The where's the payoff outside of that? I I just don't I don't see it. Hugh Jackson is the only consistent on that team. They've made over the offense with Tyrod Taylor and Jarvis Landry. The Gordon news that we just got that he's missing training camp. I don't think that's anything major. I'm sure he's going to play and he's going to be fine, but. I, I don't know the game plan. Hugh Jackson is not a coach that I, I put a lot of stock in as far as consistency or what he's going to call week to week or game plan for. So to me, I, I think the Chubb love is a little too high for me. I'll, I'll give the counterpoint to that on why I love Nick Chubb as an investment. Uh, one of the most you know frustrating things is how quickly we all give up on on players if they don't produce as a rookie uh you know john ross and mike williams are you know left for dead right now because they didn't do anything as rookies because because they were hurt all year right and so now their career's over you know they're (laughs) they're 22 years old and their career's over they're worth almost nothing in dynasty and and we kind of have to avoid that because we've been spoiled right by all these great rookies that that come out of the gate uh swinging i don't think nick chubb will necessarily be one of those guys who dominates from the get-go because like you said 
you know, it, it's muddy. Uh, I don't trust that their coach is, is going to do a great job handling this. You know, when Hugh Jackson was in Cincinnati, it was it was kind of frustrating, right? Like Jeremy Hill, Giovanni, Giovanni Bernard, like, you know, just pick a direction and run with it, and that never really happened. Uh, I, I love Nick Chubb as a player. He was a phenom in college and one of the hardest working dudes. If not for Saquon Barkley, you know, Nick Chubb, I think, would have been the darling of, of the combine because the guy's just an absolutely incredible guy and, and hard worker. And, and that, I think, always is going to shine through. Carlos Hyde uh, is going to be an afterthought, I think, shortly. 2018 uh, is probably going to be frustrating, but the Nick Chubb, Duke Johnson show is going to be really, really fun to watch, I think, for years to come. Uh, it's one of my favorite duos i think you know geis and chris thompson will be really good you know melvin gordon austin eckler is a good combo but you have to realize almost every nfl team in the league has some sort of duo like that i mean it's very very few that have you know a one guy system like the steelers with bell and, and david johnson and Gurley and zeke and, and barkley but that, that'll be about it almost everyone has a chris thompson theo riddick Austin Eckler type of player on their team. So I'm I'm not afraid to to spend what you have to on Chubb. And he actually can be had at a pretty nice price right now because everyone's having similar thoughts as you, Frank. Nothing, definitely nothing wrong with a Nick Chubb pickup. I will say, um, as far as the rookies coming out, to me, Nick Chubb is very much on the fence. And on one side of the fence is his future of being Jordan Howard-like. And the other side of the fence to me is his future being Isaiah Crowell-like. So I, I'm I'm very on the fence about Chubb. I, like, I think he's talented, yeah, but, but I think he could fall either way. You could split that too as far as if you want to look at it from a dynasty draft or a redraft. And even the dynasty makes me a, a little bit nervous. I think a redraft, I'd say a complete, I'll pass unless he's way late. But a dynasty draft, I would pick him up late, but the the situation in Cleveland as far as there's probably going to be a new coach coming in after <laughs> depending on what you know if they're bad this year you could you could bet that Hugh is gone you know and it just it gets even muddier when you do the new coach and staff so it's it's a little tougher to see an outlook there too Jeremy, I'm gonna I'm gonna take those comps you just threw out and put them in the trash because <laughs> yes. here's the big difference J- Jordan Howard was a fifth-round pick. Isaiah Crowell was undrafted. Nick Chubb just went, what, 35th overall? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he, he is a high-pedigree player, um, and, and if not for his knee tear that he had, he might have been, you know, a top-15 NFL draft pick because that, that was the trajectory. He It was like him and, and Barkley, you know, were kind of neck-and-neck value-wise until he tore his knee. So I – I think there's a big difference in in caliber of player between Nick Chubb and and the other, I guess you could say, plotters. Oh, I, I I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying he doesn't have the talent. I'm just saying, to me, his best case scenario for for this season. I'm not talking long term. For this season, is a Jordan Howard like season as a rookie, and is the other scenario is you know Carlos Hyde plays well, and he gets a little early early career uh, Isaiah Crowell action. But I like him. But, <laughs> but Willis McGahee was drafted in the first round with a torn ACL. Uh, if Nick Chubb was that much off the charts, I don't think he would have lasted until round two. I think teams know at least a little more about him than what we do. But moving on, which free agent player will have the biggest impact on his team this season? Frank? Oh, we're, we're sticking in Cleveland. <laughs> it's a cleveland kind of show yeah i can't leave cleveland man i i gotta go tyrod taylor excuse me i would say i looked around too i I looked at all these free agent moves and i don't know i mean there's a lot of guys on new teams um new faces fresh places but tyrod taylor is the quarterback ultimately it's the most important position on the team in football you know He's he switches from the Bills to the Browns. He takes over, you know, a terrible team. Say what you want about Hugh Jackson. He, I think the guy is more suited as a as like a offensive coach, you know, on the sidelines with his guys, not a head coach running the team week to week. Tyrod Taylor is he's developed to be a more conservative quarterback. Last year, 
he's more cautious. I mean, he threw four interceptions total all season. He really had nobody to throw to in Buffalo besides Charles Clay. I mean, that guy was lighting it up. He was one of the better tight ends until he got hurt, too. But he throws 14 TDs, 2,700 yards. He's got the scramble ability. He's always good for 400 yards rushing throughout the season. Um, he's he's stepping into a better situation as far as an offensive line goes, I think, in Cleveland. I know there some people say, no, they're a wash or they're just as bad, but I really think they're, they've are they got a slight edge over Buffalo in the line. The um, He's got different targets now as far as Jarvis Landry is an upgrade for sure. Um, Josh Gordon is a good receiver. Tight end David Njoku will be a could be his new favorite target if he's if the tight end's involved. But Todd Haley comes over from Pittsburgh to call the plays. So Todd Haley has generally seemed to have done the same things in Kansas City, Pittsburgh, and maybe now here in Cleveland as far as he's got his number one receiver locked in. I would assume it's going to be Landry. Um, he'll run the ball like crazy. The, the targets are going to go more to the receivers. He's going to do more with... Tyrod Taylor than they were able to do in Buffalo, I think. They'll get the most out of him here versus Buffalo. I think he'll have a decent season. I don't think he's going to be stud crazy you know, quarterback this year, but he's going to make an impact for the better, for the positive, on a team that really needs it as far as a quarterback goes for a lot of years. So I think he's just stepping up to an all-around better situation. I, mean, I like it. Brandon? Uh, before I give my answer, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counter that uh, i think you just made a great argument for baker mayfield <laughs> so, yeah i don't think tyrod taylor i don't see tyrod taylor lasting five weeks and here's why for him to last on that team for a full season or most of a season he has to do something that's going to be very difficult and that's not lose because every time they lose a game the baker mayfield storm not only from the fans and media, but but inside the locker room is going to be going crazy because he is oh, just yeah. too too big of a player, too big of a name. Anytime they lose a game, it's it's coming down hard. And you know who the Cleveland Browns face in the first two weeks? The Steelers and the New Orleans Saints. So they're staring at zero and two right out of the gate. And after that happens, guess who they play week three? The New York Jets. And, and I think at that time, their shiny new rookie, who the Browns passed on, by the way, Sam Darnold, is going to be playing in that game. So it, that could be a good setup for you know Mayfield versus Darnold. Or if Mayfield's still on the bench and Darnold beats the Browns somehow, I mean, the, the backlash from that is going to be insane because they passed on that guy while their guy's on the bench and that guy's out winning games. So I, I think that could go bad in a hurry. But... Ty, all, all Tyrod Taylor has to do is win games that he's not supposed to, and and he'll last. I, uh, I, I, you know what, Frank, siding with you, it's going to be a fifty-fifty split on this for me. Um, I, I like Tyrod, and I think they are trying to be proactive in letting the fans know <clears throat> that Baker Mayfield's not going to see the field for a little while. And uh, this this may be reading way too deep, but Cleveland is going to great lengths to show that Tyrod Taylor is the leader of that team. I mean, they've got him in this. You, have you guys seen the, the office parody that they created? Pretty good stuff. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty good stuff. Tyrod Taylor, he's the man in that video. He's been the man on social media and every little piece of, uh, you know, Cleveland imagery posted. I, they're... They are making him out to be the guy that is going to help them get to the playoffs this season. I think the fans are going to buy into it a little bit. Uh, I think they're going to continue to release statements about how Baker's simply not ready. Uh, Like I said, it's a long shot to think this way because we know how the NFL works. A couple losses, and you probably will hear some clamoring for him. But if they stick to their guns and nail out a couple wins right after those couple losses... It's going to be hard to take Tyrod off the field. He was in Buffalo, never had a great wide receiver core, never really had offensive-minded coaches that could get it done. I like what Cleveland has done. I like the supporting cast. And if Tyrod Taylor can't get it done with that supporting cast, by all means, roll Baker Mayfield out, you know, middle of game two. 
Awesome. Uh, well, I'll, I'll give my choice for biggest free agent uh, difference maker. It's hard to pick a non-quarterback, uh, but I will, just, just kind of for the fun of it. By the way, if I was picking a quarterback, it'd be Case Keenum, because I think Denver's were Denver was a top-five pick this season, and I think they're not only going to be in the playoffs, but they can make a run you know, all the way to the AFC Championship. He, he's going to make a massive difference on that team. But I'll pick, I'll pick Allen Robinson. I think out of all the receivers uh, that were free agents this offseason, he was he was the one. And as a Trubisky fan and, and dynasty owner, I was praying so hard that they would come away with any of those guys. And I, I thought Allen Robinson was the best case scenario. He's an alpha wide receiver one. You know, he showed that with Blake Bortles, who I think is is a few steps behind a guy like Trubisky in terms of accuracy and ability. So. Uh, like all new acquisitions and teams, it's going to take time to adjust and, and get the rhythm down. But I see Allen Robinson being, do you guys remember what Brandon Marshall was in Chicago? Just a fantasy monster. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky just had the worst wide receiving core that I've ever seen. <laughs> do you guys remember Kansas City had that? wide receiver group that didn't score a touchdown until like week 16 that's what this bears wide receiver group was like with with kendall wright and i think marcus wheaton uh it was rough you know and their tight end who was their only good player um you know got hurt and so they had rookie adam shaheen who then became the best player they just upgraded everywhere and alan robinson i think was the best one that they got i see him being a 1500 yards uh double digit touchdown wide receiver every year uh, hopefully starting this season. Before Frank rebuttals, I like that. Even if Allen Robinson doesn't put up a top 10 season, simply having him there to free up other you know players on that offense, to me it was a good move picking him up. Frank, what do you think about Allen Robinson? I, I do like him. I just don't know what he's going to do in Chicago. It's another kind of new, new head coach, new offensive system. Um, so it's going to be Trubisky learning a whole new offense under, is it Nagy or Nagy? I Nagy. hear it. Both, I, that's what I thought. I hear, it both, <laughs> I hear it both ways, but, um, yeah, Nagy's going to bring over a different offense. What he ran in KC was obviously run game, tight end, you know, maybe some gadget guys like they brought in T- Taylor Gabriel for, um, Robinson's coming back off an injury that makes me wonder how explosive he's going to be. He's playing in the NFC North. He's going against Xavier Rhodes. Um, he's he's got to face tougher corners within the division. Darius Slay, uh, the Packers, Kevin King, and then they got Jari Alexander as a rookie too. So he's going to face a little stiffer competition twice a season, which makes me not want to touch him too high because I don't ultimately even know where he's going to fall. I think he's definitely going to be the number one in Chicago, but how much of that share is he going to get when it's a new system and Trubisky, I don't think they're going to put it completely in his hands. It's going to be more run game focused, dump off passes, bubble screens, slot stuff. I don't think he's, they're going to let it rip with Trubisky till late in the season. If he's comfortable, I don't, I really, I'm not sold on Trubisky as well. I like him, but I don't, I just can't see him really elevating Robinson just yet. I don't think it, I think it's going to happen, but just not yet. If I had a white glove, I would slap you, sir. <laughs> slap me. <laughs> wow. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's maybe a different division. Since since we're getting a little feisty in this debate episode, we can revisit this too, Brandon. We'll we'll let's Brandon. You and I will keep this debate alive for the Allen Robinson throughout the season. And let's just go back and forth since since this would be a good one. I like it. Yeah, hey, here's, let's do here's, it. Here's my piece of fire to add to that. Frank, if you don't get some freaking headphones, I hear every single thing coming through your speakers. Like what? Anytime I talk, I hear the I hear the reverb from it. I apologize. I got my mic set up. I got it plugged in. I'm in a quiet room. Brandon, I don't gets know what an, else. Brandon gets an extra point for that one. Damn. <laughs> hey, here's my, uh, here, here's my, God, I just hear myself. It's killing me. Anyways, here's my uh, free agent, the most valuable free agent pickup of the offseason. And it's going to be a surprise. It's not Kirk Cousins. 
It's not Allen Robinson. It's not even Jarek McKinnon. The best free agent pickup that is just going to take leaps and bounds into superstardom is Jay Cutler signing on to be on the very Cavallari show. <laughs> that is the free agent pickup of the year. That's Gosh. what I'm watching. That's what I want. Uh, no, I haven't watched it yet. I really want to, though. <laughs> I heard the clip from that show. And if I, I heard the clip of her talking about, oh my God, Jay. If, if I was Jay Cutler, I would find my, my local Home Depot and buy two cement blocks and a boat. And I would go time to my feet and jump off. There's no way. That went, no that way went, am I listening to that. That went a different direction. I thought, I thought the Cavallari girl was going to be the one that was getting thrown off the boat with the two cement blocks. Uh, you, he can't escape her without any, you know, he's, he, he's got to run and run hard. And Jay Cutler let us all know last season he doesn't run, so that's not going to happen. So, But, Frank, True. Th- thanks for getting those speakers under control. I don't hear myself as badly now. Not to, not to bust you out too bad, but it's a debate episode. It's supposed to get a little fiery, and I decided to throw a little fire in there. And I, I still love you, Frank. But well, Thanks, that- man. I'm trying. I, I, I'm not completely full engineer yet, get but I'm, I'm trying. I'm getting there. Yeah, get, get some headphones up here in Wisconsin, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, last last one, last topic. I want to know from each of you guys who your free, not free agent, I'm sorry, your fantasy bust for 2018 is not conventional. Uh, you know, you, you can't say Isaiah Crowell. You can't say Case Keenum. I mean, it's got to be someone of significance. But who, who's busting? Who's busting this year? Who are we staying away from? Can I go first on this one? Absolutely. All right. My pick is a player who's somehow being drafted in the top three or four rounds, uh, and that's Tyreek Hill. I would I would sell if I had him. I don't. But for some reason, he is perceived as a no-brainer top 10 wide receiver in the NFL, and I think that's crazy. Uh, talk about another team that you know, is, is looking at a scary situation because Alex Smith just had an MVP season. I know Tom Brady won it, but Alex Smith easily could have. He was right in that discussion. Um, you know, they even beat the Patriots pretty badly. But in comes Patrick Mahomes, who's a kid I'm excited for, but he's a kid. You know, he's basically a rookie. And they have a ton of weapons on that team. You got Kareem Hunt, you got Sammy Watkins, you got Travis Kelsey, you have Tyreek Hill. Do you really think that? this green you know rookie quarterback is going to be able to feed every single one of those guys now now maybe Tyreek Hill you know has those big games which he's accustomed to doing but I don't know man if if you're banking on that guy as your wide receiver one every week um I'd be I'd be terrified because he is a player who uh can put up big points in a single play but how many how many catches a game is he getting you know somewhere between two and six and and you're praying one's a big one i don't know it's just that that seems like a like a scary proposition the good news is is kansas city's defense is atrocious so maybe they're going to be throwing so much that you know he's able to to sustain but they just paid sammy Watkins a ton of money and i don't think they did that to not have him involved so just by sheer volume of of what's possible i think tyreek hill just had the best year he's going to have last season what you got, Frank? Was was that our curveball? Ah, it's not that much of a curveball, but if you're not if no, you're no, not, if you're not if you're not prepared, the curveball worked. No, I'm I'm a baseball guy. I'm prepared. I I was for a bust. I'm I'm going with what's been relevant on Twitter that I've been seeing and just different comments and stuff that Joe Mixon. Oh, Joe Mixon. That hurts loved. my heart. I, I'm, I knew it would, but I apologized. But he, what's the what's the fantasy with him? What I don't understand. People are thinking he's gonna he's gonna jump out, take the lead role, never look back. And Gio Bernard's not gonna sniff a football for 17 weeks, and this guy is gonna go girly on the lead. I I, I I like him, and I think he's good. He's a good back. But it's still Marvin's running back by committee in Cincinnati, and that will never change. And he's got half a season 
last year of solid work to go off of. Like I said, he's good. There's no doubt he's good. But to say he's going to take the bell cow status in Cincinnati and run with it, that's a bust. He's not going to do that. Oh. That's tough. See, I oh man, I love Mixon, and I'm on. I'm all in on that guy, and I have him on almost every team. So I'm I'm that person you're talking about. <laughs> As am I. <laughs> I mean, I, mean so, I like him. I like him too, but I just can't. I cannot see him separating himself, taking the full role, and and just cranking out. You know thousand plus yards and just being the man i so what my perspective on mixon is and i don't think he has to take you know 100 percent share like we talked about before almost no running back does but i do see him is in the same mold as the other best running backs in the league so the one thing that david johnson Le'Veon bell todd Gurley all have in common is that they're 225 pounds and they can catch. And, and Joe Mixon is in that exact same mold. He's an amazing receiving back. I do agree that the most frustrating thing is who their coach is and, and how long that'll last, we don't know. But their new offensive coordinator, Bill Lazor, has uh, expressed you know how much he wants Joe Mixon to, to run that offense. And Gio will be involved because he's a very talented player and he should be involved You know the same way you know Chris Thompson is. But... Joe Mixon has that otherworldly ability to take that next step, and I think he will because Cincinnati was one of the worst offenses in history last season. I think in the last was it thirty years they they ran the fewest offensive plays, you know, and they had the most punts per drive uh, of any team. And this year, what did they do to combat that? I was watching carefully to make sure they did exactly what I wanted them to do, and they did. They brought in three new offensive linemen. You know, they traded for a new left tackle, which was great. First-round pick, offensive lineman. Brought in another uh, free agent offensive lineman. I think even they, they might have drafted another as well. But they needed that up front pick-me-up, and they did exactly that. So I, I do see maybe not a, a Todd Gurley season, like you said, but I do see a big uptick from what he did last year. And, and that's going to boost his value because, again, He's the same age as Saquon Barkley. He's 21 years old. He's basically a rookie himself, which is awesome. Yeah, and if if their offensive line improvements actually work, Joe Mixon's patience, his vision, his speed, his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, he has every single tool to put up a number one overall fantasy season. He has the tools. It is just a matter of can he maximize those tools and can Cincinnati justify everything they've gotten mixing by putting a good enough line in front of him. That that's the main question for me, but I absolutely love Joe Mixon. Uh, and I hope it works out. I'm going to go, uh, right there with a the guy that's drafted right with him. Sometimes before, sometimes after Leonard Fournette is my bust. I mean, this guy, yes, he had an okay rookie year, but when you really dig deep and analyze it, it wasn't that great. He didn't average four yards a carry. He was under a little bit. Uh, you know, he had nine touchdowns. That was a saving grace. That's what put him in a good fantasy situation. And I, and you know, I understand that's probably going to happen again because Blake Bortles isn't going to throw for thirty-five touchdowns. But for where he's being drafted and the expectations for Fournette, I think he's going to year in year out be a guy that just barely cracks a thousand, gives you twenty-five to thirty receptions. And seven to ten touchdowns, and that's good. That's great. But for him to be going in the second round in most startups, to me, I want higher upside than that. Yes, people think Fournette does have higher upside than that. I don't. Give me Mixon all day long. The guy's capable of 1,300 yards on the ground, eight or 900 in the air, and uh, a combined 15 touchdowns. I mean, he's he has the tools. I can't wait to see what Cincinnati does this year with him. I, I used to be with you, Jeremy, on, on Fournette, and, and my tune has kind of changed a bit. So I didn't own him anywhere last year. And my biggest question for Fournette was, is he dedicated you know, to the game? Because a lot of guys, and he's one of them, and, and I think Zeke is this way, they're just so talented that they don't need to work hard necessarily to succeed you know, at that level. But you do to be one of the best you have to have that work ethic you know that we know david johnson has uh saquon barkley has and i didn't know if leonard fournette had it this offseason though it showed me a ton about 
you know, he does want to be better and improve. I, I think him dropping weight is huge for those lower leg injuries that he's had. Uh, the Jaguars have shown that all they want to do is pound the rock. They, they added another offensive lineman in Andrew Nor- Norwell, which was a huge addition. And they got rid of Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns. So the Jaguars are telling us what they're going to do, and they're going to give it to Fournette over and over and over again. I, I think he's going to improve in a big way this season. I agree. I'd rather have the pass-catching types, you know, the David Johnson, Joe Mixon body type. But uh, but I, I think Fournette's in, in for a big season and a lot of touchdowns because they're always going to be in the game with that defense. Last thing I'm going to add on Fournette, and this this is a stretch. Don't have to buy it. Don't have to believe it. But I know a guy who knows a guy that has seen proof that that ankle is never going to be 100%. And I, I think he's going to have problems with it all throughout his career. I think it's going to limit his abilities just enough to always, to make him, you know, one of those good all-time backs, not one of those great all-time backs. So going with my gut on that one, just just not into Fournette. But I'm glad we can agree on Mixon. Frank, I hope Mixon makes you eat those words this season. But uh, if he doesn't... This is going to be great. If he doesn't, and Jimmy Graham is the best tight end in the league, you're going to have some major bragging rights uh, that I will let you do live on a show. That sounds good. We can keep this little trifecta triangle here of players uh, relevant through the season, and we'll, we'll kind of monitor how they do from afar, and we'll maybe update each other and give you, give you a nudge. Hey, did you see Allen Robinson's game or something? <laughs> Right. <laughs> we'll have about it during the season. We've already got the, the Twitter chat started, so we'll just... We'll just keep that at the top of our queue and, and uh, razz each other yeah, when our guys are having a good game. Hey, that'll be Frank, fun. I, I, got, I got a question for you. So I, I, on a number of podcasts this offseason, I've, I've been making bets with people that, I, that I've disagreed with on certain players, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, lower end, but nothing nothing crazy or high stakes. But just is, is there any any of the players that, that you'd be willing to bet that you liked that I didn't versus one of the guys that I liked? You know, who scores more weeks one through 16 kind of thing. I, what, what, I would do, what, what's the terms of this bet? We can figure out the terms, but I, I'm just curious what 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 players would you want to bet on? I would I would put my most stock into Jimmy Graham. Oh, my God. I'm pushing all my chips in, man. You hear okay. them? They're all getting in the center of the table. <laughs> Let's do uh let's do an Evan Ingram versus Jimmy Graham straight up PPR fantasy points weeks one through sixteen. Done. Awesome, there, there I, we, I like it. What a great way we'll to, have to come up with terms. What a great way to end an episode. We've got a a locked in <laughs> bet, and uh, I, I'm going to try to help you guys come up with these terms. It's got to be something serious. I hope you enjoy your legs, Frank. Oh God. Uh, oh yeah, they're they're no they're no Barkley tree trunks but I, I work pretty hard on them <laughs> oh man all right guys that's gonna do it for this one the debate episode two that's a wrap we've got a bet and uh this is probably going to become a staple i can already see the debate episode three in the works guys thanks for joining me highly appreciated i'm sure everybody that uh follows you guys on twitter will appreciate that you came on too because uh people love to hear the opinions of guys they follow and uh you, you guys are right up there right up there with the uh, the footballers, the Brad Evans of the world. Well, not yet. None of us are quite yet, but we do have followers. Hopefully they enjoyed this one. And uh, any last yeah, words? Anybody, anybody that wants to hit us up, Brandon or I, or even you on on players, what you think, what would you do? Shoot me a DM, post it. I mean, we're but we're all pretty active on Twitter, so I'll answer and I'll go back and forth with anybody. And like I said, this is a good platform doing this debate because – a, it shows you that you can have a debate without arguing, without cutting people off, letting people finish, and not hanging up on them or cutting off the transmission like a Fox News kind of deal. You know what I mean? Like, it's a it's a nice debate. It's fun. And we had some fun with it. So if anybody else wants to do it on Twitter, I'm always game. I'm never going to troll. I'm never going to, you know, go crazy on something stupid. I mean, we're all supposed to have fun. And it's a, it's opinion. It's fantasy. You know, so... Yep, Let's there keep are, it there are, and enjoy it. an expert is a very loose term in this industry. So if you guys want to holler yeah. at these guys and do some debating, 
They will both be tagged in the episode post on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Pornhub, RedTube, wherever else I post it. Um, <laughs> we, we weren't talking Jimmy Graham or Jimmy uh, Jimmy G, that Jimmy G. Right. I don't know that one. You must watch a lot of films I've never seen. But, uh, but yeah, they hit them up. They'll be tagged. Guys, I appreciate it. Let's cut this one out, move on, and wait for these bets to, to come to fruition. All right, thanks, boys. See you, fellas. Thank you. This concludes another episode of the Back Row Fantasy Show. Thanks for listening, and be sure to give us a review.